Welcome to The Liberating Secret with your host, author and teacher, Sylvia Pierce. The Liberating Secret is dedicated to revealing the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the only hope of glory. Let's join Sylvia Pierce for today's lesson. Welcome to The Liberating Secret. My name is Sylvia Pierce and so glad to be with you again today. I hope you've been following us uh, as I've been doing this chart presentation called What is Man? If you're hearing me by radio, uh, you might want to get on cross.tv and you can see these videos as well. Otherwise, you might be wanting want to write me and I'll be sure to send you a small copy what, of What is Man? You might want like that if, as you listen through all these programs. If you've missed any of them, you can catch them on cross.tv or spiritbroadcasting.net. So uh, we're continuing on today on chart 40. My goodness, you might say, how, how, much, how much more do you have to say, Sylvia? Well, however much the Spirit's going to say about all these, these great truths that we're bringing forth. And um, so, but what I'm talking about today is uh, faith. I'm talking about our true activity is receptivity, which is faith, receiving the truth and standing in the truth. Um, uh, we were talking about moving into Romans 8 and not taking condemnation because you're trusting that the cross of Christ is, is your sanctification, Christ is your holiness. And, uh, but there will be a warfare. There will be a time where everything will testify the opposite. There will be a counterattack. Anytime a person takes a stand of faith, there will be a counterattack. It happened with me. Um, as soon as I said, okay, I'm going to agree with you, Lord, that I am dead, buried, and resurrected in Christ, and He is dead, buried, and resurrected in me, and uh, so therefore I'm going to stand by faith that the real me is Christ in me. And that's who I really am. And as soon as I did that, boy, was Satan mad. And he certainly did pour some opposition on me. Now, I want to tell you that's normal. It's normal that uh, Paul says this in Hebrews. He says, after you're illuminated, you will fight a great fight of affliction. Well, what is that affliction? Well, it's opposition against your stand of faith. You, if you read any in the New Testament about all the apostles, they all were um, opposed greatly. And of course, Paul writes down all of the opposition that he had. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you want to see what Paul went through, well, just read everything that he tells us in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. So it's the activity of faith. God has to wean us away from outer appearances, he has to wean us away from how we feel, how we think, and uh, the realm that we've always lived in, which is really three dimension with spirit, with all of our natural senses governing our life. He has to wean us away from that because when we've accepted Christ and he has moved inside of us, we really are spirit people. We're spirits. Uh, clothed in soul and body is what we are. We're really a spirit being. Now, most of the time, most of us don't even know that we're spirits, but we are. 
and but we're clothed in human flesh and blood and the, and my flesh and blood is still fallen to attack from satan and i will be attacked from by satan and um, god means that just like he did in the life of job he meant for satan to come against job in every way that he could he he he, he did bodily he did by his his family was lost his properties all his goods his body was even touched with sores so um, God will does mean for Satan to come and attack us. I mean, it's clear in Job. God, Satan wasn't even thinking about Job. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And he's righteous. And, and Satan says, well, yeah, because you've got a hedge around him. You won't let me at, have at him. And God says, go ahead, have at him. So th this happened twice. And uh, so... God means for Satan to attack us. Wow, that's a pretty strong statement. A lot of people say, oh, no, 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 God would never mean that. Well, he if you read the New Testament, you will see that God drove, or the Spirit drove uh, Jesus into the wilderness to be sat tested by Satan, or tempted by Satan. Now, does God do the temptation? No, James tells us, no, that's not true. God cannot tempt us with evil, but he can certainly send, a, uh, send Satan after us. And he certainly did, even his son, Jesus, because he learned obedience by what he suffered. And he was made perfect by his suffering. And we are too. We're made complete by the things that we suffer. That's why the little book of James, and I love James. I used to want to tear it out of my Bible thinking, oh my gosh, he was anti-Paul because it appeared to be anti-grace and more back into works. But if you read it by the Spirit, that's not what he's saying. And he cannot be a works man if the first part of James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and trials. Why would James say that? Fall, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and, and trials, because the trying of your faith works patience. And let patience have her perfect work that you might know your whole complete, lacking nothing. So to know your wholeness and completeness in Christ so that you do not lack, you're not living from your soul, you're not living from your flesh, will take some trials, trying of your faith. It will take that. And the fires of that burning within us burns us, burns all the dross and finally brings forth the the purity of what God means to bring forth in our life. So that's why we do have trials and temptations and uh, God means for us too. And so, yes, he allows Satan to come after us because uh, even Jesus um, was weak, 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 weak after 40 days, 40 nights, not eating anything and being tempted by Satan. He came out very weak. But we have to know that our humanity is nothing but a weak, and helpless expression of the life of another. That's the point. And when we know that, we will know that we're whole, complete, lacking nothing. I'm not living in lack. You know, I think of Psalms 23. David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not need. I shall not want. In other words, he's not a needy person anymore. So he's learned how to walk through his valley of the shadow of death. It's only a shadow. When trials and temptations come, it's only a shadow of death, you see. It's not the real. It's only a shadow, but God is always with us. 
So he does mean that in our life, and to say anything opposite of that is not scriptural. So, um, so now the warfare begins is as soon as you've taken a stand of faith. So that's what we're going to talk about in chart 40, 40, the activity of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, not by uh, our own um, senses, outer senses, our five senses, but now we're going to be walking by faith. Now, this, the, this chart says we leap from a satanic, a satanic, wretched, striving self to our true self, Christ as us, Christ living in me, being the real me, that my true identity is Christ in me. And we walk and we leap by faith. It's, it's a total leap by faith because we hardly believe it. We just have to take God at his word and that's all he wants us to do. Take him at his word. We walk in the truth of who we really are and give no place to fleshly illusions of who we think we are. The fleshly illusions of who we think we are. And we stand against the devil's lies of who we are not because we're not just our five senses. We're not just a flesh being. I'm not just me alone. That's not true. And I'm not just... Um, and, and actually, it's not even me that's producing the sins through me. That's what Paul saw in Romans 7. It's not I that do it. I'm not doing it. Thank you, Jesus. It's, uh, it's sin that dwells in my bodily members, causing me, causing me, producing those sins in me. Now, why, why is that? Because he was still living by the demands of the law. I can do it. I can try. I will strive to make it happen. And so now you're taking a stand of faith in another realm, in the spirit realm of who you really are and who God says you are, and there will be a warfare, I promise you. And he will teach you how to walk by faith and not by sight. The Holy Spirit will train you in the ways of the Lord, not just his acts. You know, so many people of God knows the acts of God, but we don't know his ways. These are his ways. Uh, Job discovered his ways. Job discovered at the end of his life that he was only a vessel and he and that's why he had so much that's why he argued with the Lord so much is because or argued with his friends and with with himself and with God is because he was saying but I'm righteous I'm righteous well he had to realize that his righteousness was not him it was coming from God and God says, well, where were you, Job, when I created? Or you're, you're saying you're God, you're acting like you're doing, you're doing it, you're producing the, the good in you, you're not. And um, so Job says, oh, I repent. So we have to come to that place, the same as Job. And so we stand in, chapter, in uh, chart 40, we stand against the devil's lies, uh, who we are not. We are not an independent self trying to please God through fleshly powers which are satanic and sinful. And then we sit. And I think that's a book that Watchman Nee wrote. Sit, sit, walk, stand. Or walk, sit, stand. I'm not sure the progression of that. But um, the last one I have here is sitting, resting in the facts that we are dead to sin and Satan as well as dead to the demands of the law, the real me is Christ in me. So that's, that's the end of that, the activity of faith. Our activity is not in our doing, but is in our receptivity, our 
true activity is now receptivity. What we're going to take by faith, what we're going to believe by faith, what we're going to stand in by faith, what we're going to walk in by faith, and what we're going to say by faith. You see, our confession of faith, our true profession of faith. So what is it? So the next chap, uh, chart 41 just goes this right, takes us right into who we really are, what the Bible says we are. And I'm not going to read all of these. I've got, I think, 29 verses here. Uh, be sure to get these verses and hopefully we'll put these up on the screen so that you will be able to write some of these down. And I'll just read a few of them. Number one says, we're justified, completely, completely forgiven and made, made righteous. That's what Romans says. Uh, number three says, I've been saved and set apart according to God's grace. And uh, number six says, I am free forever from condemnation. Number nine says, I have the mind of Christ. All these are scriptural references of who you, set, who you are. Number 11 says, I've been established, anointed, and sealed by God in Christ. I have been given the Holy Spirit as a pledge guaranteeing my inheritance. Number 15 says, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Number 18 says, I have direct access to God through the Spirit. 21 says, I've been rescued from the dominion of Satan's rule and transferred into the kingdom of Christ. 27 says, because I am sanctified and, and am one with the sanctifier, he is not ashamed to call me his brother. 29 says, I've, be, I've been made right to and come boldly before the throne of God to find mercy and grace in the time of need. So there it is. Um, this is chart number 41 and 42. And uh, you may uh, write me, like I said, and be sure to get that list because I love that list. Remind you, I used to put this on my refrigerator to remind myself um, who I really was because I didn't feel like it. I didn't think like it. I didn't seem like it because I was judging myself from my soul and my body what I've always seen myself to be, what I've always identified myself to be is my needy soul and my fleshly body, which is not true. The real you is spirit and you're joined to Christ in spirit. So the real you is, is, is joined to Christ. So he is your true identity. So let me move past 42, 41 and 42. And we're going to come to 43. Now, I love this one because... It's what, John, it's what Jesus prophesied in John 17 when he was praying to his father. And I usually say uh, at this point, I like to read John 17 because Jesus is praying to his father right before he goes to the cross. And I always say, if you're going to pray your final prayer to your father, uh, you're gonna, and you're going to pray for the people that you're leaving behind, um, you're going to pray the most important thing that you that could could be in your whole life, and I think Jesus prayed that in John 17. It's one of the greatest prayers in the New Testament. I advise you to look that prayer up and read that whole chapter. But in that chapter, Jesus is prophesying of his uh, of the people that would follow him, and let me just read you a part of that chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing. John 17, the great intercessory chapter. Thank you, Jesus, the prayer of intercession, because he's praying on our behalf. 
So what does he say? He's saying, um, he's saying to his father, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, thy, thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh. Jesus is saying, you've given me power over all flesh. So don't think, I, I like, I love that verse because we all think we can have power over our flesh. No, it's Jesus that has power over your flesh. So give, so surrender your flesh to him. He has power over it, not you, nor the devil. So Jesus has power over all flesh, he says, that thou should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given me, not to all, but as many. So, and this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Knowing is being one with. That's what the word know means right here in the New Testament. It's the same word used in Genesis when Adam knew Eve. So it's a sense of intercourse. It's interpenetrated spirit. His spirit in my spirit causes me to know that I know that I know that I might know him, the Father, and know His Son, Jesus Christ. This is eternal life. So it's not good enough to know, know about. We've got to know our oneness with Christ. That's why this next, this next chart, chart 43, our oneness with Christ. Now I'm going to skip on through in this chapter and read this part that Jesus said. He's talking about the disciples, and he's talking about us. He's not saying, neither pray I for these alone, meaning his disciples. And he said, I pray for the ones that I have kept. I've kept them all except, except one, the son of perdition. And of course, he was talking about Judas Iscariot. And uh, uh, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. I love that. Believe on me through their word. Through, see, it's our word. We're gonna we're gonna have to speak the word in order to believe. You're gonna have to say personally, "I believe." I take you to by faith. I know you by faith. It's got to be a subjective truth to you that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou hast given, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in oneness. All right, that was his prayer. What is that? That we might know that oneness, yes, and walk in that oneness, and know it. Know that we are one with Christ, not two, but one. Now, does that dissolve the two? No, the two become one. That's what the Bible says. The Bible is always joining the two that makes the one. And of yes, it's two. And I don't, I don't disappear to the place that I don't have a human self. I do have a human self. But my human spirit self is joined to his Holy Spirit self, the I am with the I am. You see, that's why, G that's why God said that to Moses, I am that I am is because His I am, the, His Spirit, is joined to my spirit, and we are one. Does that mean that it's impossible for me to sin? No, I'm not saying that. It was possible even for Jesus up to the last. That's why Gethsemane was so, He sweat blood, drops of blood, because He was 
sweating over that. The possibility of him not going to the cross was there, and that's what he sweated over. But he surrendered. He was obedient unto death, Philippians tells us, even the death of the cross. So, no, it doesn't dissolve the fact that we're two, but yet one. But we operate and function as one. The way he got to the cross was he recognized his oneness with the Father. He didn't have the power to do it. It says the eternal spirit uh, uh, purged our sins. In other words, through the eternal spirit, he um, went to the cross. He did it by faith in the fact that he was one with his father and one with his father's will. So he knew oneness with his father and he wanted us to know oneness with him and the father. And that's what eternal life is, to know that oneness. And so this chart, number 43, is oneness with Christ. It is God's intention to have a race of little Christ. <laughs> that's what Martin Luther says. Now that seems pretty strong to say. And most people are saying, you're saying we become God. We come, become Christ. I mean, as much as I have taught this and as many times I, as I say, no, the you in me that's the vessel never becomes the content. We never become Christ. But he comes inside of us and he takes our place. He takes my place for living. He takes my place and brings, gives me peace. He takes my place and is my love. He takes my place and is my righteousness. So, but I never become righteousness. I never become peace. I never become agape love. Not the vessel. The vessel only contains and expresses the life of, of Christ. Now, that's what Jesus did. Jesus never said, I, I am the Father. Now, when, when um, he was ready to go to the cross, Philip said to him, Jesus, um, uh, uh, show us the Father. And Jesus says, oh, uh, uh, have I not been, you, been with you so long that you have not seen me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He didn't say, I am the Father. He still said there was a me to see. If you've seen me, the Son, you've seen the Father. You see, so he never said, I, beca I become the father. And we can never say, I become Christ. I don't become Christ. But he, and then, then Jesus said, um, Believest thou that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the father that dwelleth in me, he does the work. So he never said he was the father. We can never say, I am Christ. Now, we can say that Christ lives in me and he expresses himself through me, but we can never say that is so fixed that it's impossible for me to sin. And so I cannot, I don't even have to care about, I can sin or, or not sin, it doesn't matter, whatever I do, it's, I'm going to call it Christ. We, we're not saying that. I mean, there are people that say that and I, 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 they fall every time when they do say that. That's pride. You cannot say that. We're, we're always the, the, we never, never become the content. We always remain the vessel. We always remain the cup. And he, but he expresses himself through that cup. That's the privilege that we have as containers, as vessels, as branches, as, um, as bodies. You see, we're the body of Christ. He's the head. We never become the head. The body remains the body. The head remains the head. And um, the second person of the Trinity, the head, will come for the body one day. I mean, at the, uh, that's, that's at the end. The head will actually come. The man Christ Jesus will actually come to earth again. My goodness, 
what a day. We're, we're all waiting for that day. But until then, we need to know our oneness. I mean, if you want to be ready for the end of time, you need to move into the eternity. You need to move into eternal living and start living etern this eternal life that we already have. We, we basically don't have timed life. We've got eternal life. Well, yeah, we're in time, but basically we have the Christ within us, Christ within us is eternal. So in a sense, we, do, we, we live in time, but we're not of it. We live in this world, but we're not of it. We live in a flesh, but we're not of it. You see, that's the whole difference. We have a self, but I'm not of it. It's really Christ in me, you see. So back to this chart, 43, very important chart that God intends to make a race of Christ. Now, not the head, but the body, bodily form. I mean, you can't separate the head from the body. I mean, for heaven's sakes, you can't separate that. So we're the bodily expression of the head. That's all, that's all you can say through the cross. I am the human bodily form of Christ who is the head, you see. And we are the visible form of the invisible God. Wow. Okay, God is spirit, so he needs a body to manifest himself through. That's why God the Father came in, was incarnate in Jesus. And he came inside of Jesus, um, and it came in bodily form as Jesus, the Son. And now the Holy Spirit has come inside of us because the Spirit needs, the Holy Spirit needs a body to manifest his fruits through. That's, that's right. So we're the visible form of the invisible God and Christ interpenetrates our being and unites himself to us. He becomes the essence of who we are. He in me and I in him. That's exactly what Jesus is saying in John 17. I'm not saying anything that the Bible is not saying. I'm not saying anything that Jesus is not saying. And it says an example of that. And I always love it, this example is a fire in iron united unites as one. They are one, yet they maintain their distinctiveness. If I had a piece of iron and uh, I put it in fire, the fire would interpenetrate the iron, but the iron would never become the fire and the fire would never become the iron, but yet the, the interpenetration of the fire would illuminate that iron and make it look like something different than just a piece of iron, you see, because it's manifesting the fire. Well, we've got the fire of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the, uh, John the Baptist said Jesus is going to baptize us with fire, water and fire. So of uh, the Holy Spirit and fire. So you, you better believe it. The Holy Spirit in us is fire, but it's right fire. It's the kind of fire that the sun is. It just it just blesses the earth with its warmth and sunshine. And that's what we do. We do. We, we live out that. We're like the moon. The moon doesn't have a life of its own. It just reflects the sun's light. And that's why we see the moon at night is because it actually it's reflecting the sun's light. It doesn't have a light of its own. We don't have a light of our own. We're just reflecting the light of the sun, S-O-N instead of S-U-N. You have been listening to The Liberating Secret with Sylvia Pierce. We want to send a special thank you to all our supporters who make this program possible. If you have been blessed by this program and would like to contact Sylvia, you can write her at P.O. Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 40253. 
That's Post Office Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 40253. You can also find more of Sylvia's teachings on her website. The web address is www.theliberatingsecret.com. That's www.theliberatingsecret.com. And be sure to listen again right here Monday through Friday at the same time for The Liberating Secret with author and teacher Sylvia Pierce. So until next time, may God richly bless you.